Welcome to Mimi UU. I'm Mimi Nicklin, the host of the show. This podcast is anonymous and it's audio only without names to protect from unconscious bias or judgment and to allow true empathy to grow. The goal of the show is to share diverse stories from around the world by giving people a platform to share openly so that other people like you can understand diverse realities from around the globe. We exist to create empathy and not just talk about it. Welcome to Me, Me, You, You. Hello, and welcome back to Me, Me, You, You. In this show, my guest is going to talk about something that unfortunately all of us in some form or another will experience. But of course, the experience of this can change depending on who you are, where you are, your age, your outlook, the culture that you grow up in. And the theme for today's conversation is the loss of a parent, which for some of us happens very early on in life and for some of us it happens later in life. But of course, one of the things we all know is that the only certainty is life is in fact death. How we experience death and how we go through the trauma and the grief changes from person to person. And today my guest has kindly joined to talk about her experience losing her father. Now, before we move into that conversation and understand that, I just want to let my guest know that this is a confidential conversation and that we won't release your identity unless you choose to do so. Are you comfortable joining the show today? Hi, Mimi. Yes, I am. Thank you so much for having me. You are so welcome. Let's start at the beginning of, of your journey. I would love to hear, first of all, why you chose to join the show today and what it is you would like the world to understand. Thank you. That's a big question. Um, I think now I've like processed a lot of the grief, I think probably all of it. Um, I am sharing my story more and more and I feel like of course, that might sound a little bit selfish, but the more I share it, the more I realize, or well, the more it sort of heals me and it helps me connect with other people. And I know a lot of people, of course, I'm not the only one who's had, you know, gone through this period of grief. I feel like it can help other people as well. Just, you know, know that there is a time when it does get better. Mm. And that is the most wonderful place to start because I have heard other people say a similar thing, which is that it can be a very lonely journey. But once you realize that, of course, there are other people going through it, like you just said, it, it gives you perhaps some hope, some energy to, to move through that. Let's discuss when this happened for you. Is this a relatively new reality for you and, and your family or is this something that happened some time ago? And this was a really long time ago. And actually, there's sort of two stories, grief stories. The, the big one was when I was 18. It was with my stepfather, actually. And I was very, very close to him. And it's only now that I'm realizing how close we were, like the connection that we had. You know, we would write letters to each other. I have a, I have a massive bag of letters that I have not looked at since. And I'm going to look at them. This is my next thing. But yeah, so we were so close and... You know, he had a lot of problems. A lot of things happened to him when he was a child and it led him to be an alcoholic. Anyway, he came into my life when I was eight and my mum and him split up when I was 14, 15. So I think he was in my life at, 
you know, a really important time. And I, it was a really difficult time for me anyway, the whole when I was growing up from eight to 14, because, you know, the arguments and he was unhappy. And, you know, you can feel everything when you're a child, can't you? One day I was just at my friend's house and she just said to me, did you know that he died? She just said it like that. I thought she was going to say, do you want a cup of tea or something? I mean, it was so casual. And, and I was just like, what? You know, and I remember exactly where I was, how she said it. You know, I remember everything. And I just remember that moment I was hit with, I don't know how many emotions. It was just like in my whole body, my whole body just shook with these painful emotions. It was a massive shock. And I couldn't even... I just stood there. I was in disbelief and I probably couldn't believe the way she had told me as well. I went home and I said to my mum, you know, I've just found out that he's he's died and in the newspaper. It was in the newspaper she found out. So my mum went out, got the newspaper, came back and said, it's, it's true and he's not coming back. I just didn't even know how to deal with any of it, to be honest. Like, I, I wanted to talk about it. I, I, just didn't, I didn't know how to process it. And, you know, bear in mind, my mum was only 36 at the time. That's what I'm realising now. You know, my mum had me when she was 18. And she just said to me, he probably committed suicide. But we didn't know that. But she knew and I knew he was really unhappy. And we didn't really talk about it after that because he was with somebody else at the time who didn't like me. So we couldn't go to the funeral or anything. So that was just awful. So there were so many questions. So I just assumed that he committed suicide. That's how we left it. There was no way we could find out. You know, we didn't even think about contacting the other family. And, and that was it, really. It was hard for my mum. And we never really spoke about things anyway, like deep, you know, emotional things. And I think it was just because my mum, she wasn't equipped with that. We spoke about everything else. And my mum was, my mum is amazing. You know, there was always so much love there. But there was never really communication about emotions, uncomfortable emotions. That was just how it was. So, of course, this was like huge, but there was no preparation. You know, there was nothing. There was no conversation. So I got depressed almost immediately. I lost all my confidence. Nobody was talking about it. Everybody was saying, you know, what's happened? What's wrong with you? Because obviously my personality completely changed. I didn't want to go out. I just sort of practically gave up on everything. And then when they said that to me, it just made me think, so I don't deserve to feel this because he's not my real dad. So I didn't even let myself feel the grief, even though I was absorbed in this grief. But I had such a good doctor that he never recommended that. Of course, antidepressants can help um, some people and I'm not against them or anything like that. But he never recommended them for me. He always used to say, you know, because I blame myself, by the way, because it, I thought it was a suicide. I blame myself. And he always said, you're on the path to self-destruction and you're doing this to yourself. He could see that antidepressants are not going to help you. You just need to go out and have a good time and all of this. He was great, actually. And, and I knew that as well. I knew that the tablets wouldn't help me. So I never took them. At the time when I was depressed, I just wanted to get out of the situation because I knew something wasn't right. Nobody was talking about it. And maybe if I had had I don't know if I'd have had the right help at that time. Things would have been better. I have no idea. I, have no, I even look back now and I think, what would have helped me at that time? I think what would have been the ideal situation is if I'd been prepared before, like 
if we'd had effective communication in our family before, maybe. I'm not sure anything, uh, what anyone said at that time would have helped. I, I don't know. I look back and I think, you know, what would have been the right thing? So I had like waves of depression for like eight years. So that was from when I was 18 to 26. But during that time, when I was okay, because I had periods when I was okay, that's when I decided to become a teacher and leave the UK. Because I always loved traveling anyway, because my real dad is actually from Venezuela. And I I grew up traveling, visiting him and everything. And as I was in different countries, I ended up living and working in 11 countries. Living in these different countries, I learned different things about myself. And I think sometimes, you know, when you just leave the situation, you can see things from a different perspective and you see things you might not have seen otherwise. And because a lot of people said you're running away. And I thought, well, you you can't run away from your grief anyway. So I knew it was the right thing for me to do. And it was because I don't know what would have happened if I'd have stayed in that situation because it was just, I feel like it was quite dysfunctional. So it took me a few years to realize, I think it was like four or five years to realize that I was feeling low because of what happened. And then it took another couple of years to realize it wasn't my fault. Mm. And when I realized it wasn't my fault, that's when the depression never came back. So I would be okay for, say, six, seven, eight months. Then I would get severely depressed. Then everything would just be a mess. I would have to leave the country I was at, or I'd have to leave my job. I couldn't cope. It always came back because I never got to the roots of what was really happening. How did you do that? I mean, you you know, I'm, I'm sort of putting myself in your shoes here. You're, you know, five, six, seven years after this. You haven't spoken about it enough. You're still carrying that blame. You're traveling the world. And as you said, this recurrent blame is coming back to you and, and coming in waves, which are, you know, as you were just saying, very hard to handle. How did yeah. you begin to heal from that? How did you start that realization that it wasn't your fault when I was away I was having like more conversations like real conversations with friends you know I met people from all over it was actually when I was in Turkey the first country that I went to people asking me questions you know about who I was what what had I been doing things like that it was just real conversations which Mm. I hadn't been having when I was at home you know so that that's what it was that stopped the depression coming back But of course, I hadn't even started (laughs) to process the grief. Mm. I mean, I don't think I knew I was carrying the grief. What's the difference between depression and and grief in in your experience? Because for many listeners, perhaps it all feels like one blurry sort of reality. But for you, you're, you're mentioning that these were very two very separate parts of this experience. Oh, definitely, definitely. For my experience, and you know, I'm not a qualified therapist. This is my personal experience. Clinical depression I had. I mean, the emotions were so, so strong that I I could not do normal activities in the day. I could not get out of bed. I could not. I remember I could not tidy my room. It was too much. I had zero confidence. Like zero confidence where, yeah, you can't make a decision where something goes in your room. I just wanted to stay in bed all day I did not want to face you know anything Mm. I did the minimum um I you know getting dressed I couldn't get dressed at one point it was just absolutely horrendous I mean I would not wish that on anyone it came back so many times and so many times I would have to go through the whole process again 
and build my confidence. And just doing that, Mimi, I cannot tell you. Um, it was like hitting rock bottom and then coming up again, hitting rock bottom and coming up again. I did it so many times and, and it, ne it never got easier. But that was the only way, the only way. You know, I remember, you know, when you hit rock bottom, everybody would say, well, yeah, the only way is up. Looking back now, I have so much more compassion and empathy with my teen self. I don't even know how I did it. But then I had a great mum. My mum was there. I mean, some people may not have anybody they can really, you know, my mum practically looked after me. I couldn't look after myself. It was just, but then maybe if I was thrown in to look after myself, I would have had to. I don't know. Once you did overcome that that depression, um, yeah. and you said you you then began to process the grief, and well, that, that's the first time right? you you've been so deep in depression for so many years. Now you are looking at this grief from a non non depressed state. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, about that. Well, I wasn't. To be honest, I didn't look at the grief. I I didn't even know I was carrying the grief. So obviously, I got to the core root of that depression. So that never came back. I wasn't emotionally aware, really. I mean, I knew that the depression was gone and I felt relatively okay. But really, I probably wasn't. I mean, I was. I mean, you know, I was living my life. I had my job. I had friends and all of this. So I was okay. But but something deep down, I wasn't happy, you know. And now it's only now that I know why. So I just carried on living my life, um, teaching, going from one country to the next. And then, you know, like I said, I, I came to Dubai eight years ago and that's when I sort of stopped and realized look back and that's when I looked back and thought wow it's been 17 years 11 countries I want something else now and I think what it was that I wanted was I wanted to heal myself because I knew something really wasn't right I wanted to change my career I knew that but I think it was more than that I think I, it was just the right time. And I don't know why it was the right time in the right place. I think it just was. I took part in a, a coach training and it wasn't to become a coach. It was to, I was recommended by so many people and I just thought, yeah, this is a good place to start working on myself. I knew I had to work on myself. And during that process, what was so powerful for me was I learned that about feeling. I learned to feel and I think because I had the depression and maybe the grief, I don't know, I think I'd suppress, well, I obviously did suppress the grief feelings. Maybe mm -hmm. any sort of uncomfortable feeling that I had, that was completely normal. I think I was just avoiding it. So I learned in the coaching about how important it was to feel and that I could feel and I'm not letting myself feel and all of that. And it was just so transformational. And at the end of the training, I thought, oh my God, I need to do this. I need to help others because you don't need to, you know, travel the whole world and you can just like feel your, feel your feelings. So then I got certified and all of that. The coaching gave me such huge emotional awareness of my feelings and myself. Then I realized I'm carrying grief because I became so aware of different feelings and how they felt. So I just started processing them with help. I had therapy, hypnosis and coaching. All of it helped me. And I just began to process each feeling that I had and I didn't even know for example that sorrow felt my body processed sorrow differently to how it processed rejection or you know it was so um, amazing to feel these feelings one by one and feel my body processing them in different ways it took about a year 
And I even felt in my body when I was processing them, and especially when I process sort of the last one, I felt a huge space in my stomach. And then I thought, I am emotionally available now. And, and then it made me realize how my friendships, relationships, how I had attracted, attracted different people into my lives who were the same as me. I felt enlightened, I guess. When they left my body and I felt it physically, I also also affected me mentally. And I just saw everything differently. And I had all these realizations. And I just knew things would be different now. I'm so interested by your point earlier around as you were letting go of some of those emotions, you realized that the emotions you were carrying were attracting different people into your life. So over those 16, 17, 18 years, when you had been carrying these heavy emotions, yeah. as you explained, yeah. they had attracted uh, a, a type of people. C could you help us understand that a little bit more? What did you mean by that? When I was dating and, uh, you know, I had um, a serious relationship, he was very emotionally unavailable, couldn't talk about his emotions. And I feel like because I was really distant, I didn't realize I was, of course, but because I was emotionally distant and uh, unavailable, then, of course, that's who I sort of attracted. But I didn't realize at the time, I just always thought it was them. And even friendships as well, like now... And I, ha I had good friends, you know, I've still kept a lot of the same friends, but not all of them. Quality of my friendships has improved as well. I think because, yeah, the relationship with myself has improved. So, of course, all of the other relationships have improved. But I carried that grief for about 20 years or even mm -hmm. more. And I just think it impacted the decisions I made as well. And I was triggered by lots of things, avoiding things. You know, it all impacts your life, doesn't it? I do believe... I wasn't ready to process those feelings before. Mm. I had to live through those other experiences to probably help prepare me. Do you think that having gone through that yourself, for anyone listening who is going through those early stages of grief or perhaps are a parent to a child or a teenager that is having a similar journey, what would you think would be useful for them to understand having you know said what you just said which is you know perhaps if you'd been able to process them earlier you would have you know potentially slightly changed the way that the years that followed rolled out what would you say to other people that are perhaps going through that experience it's a difficult one because sometimes I think maybe I needed all of that time so maybe you, you need to have a long time to, to process it before you're ready to process it but I think it's about conversations help, but I think what really does help is the processing. So, but it, it does depend who, because I can't imagine a child having to process those feelings. I just, you know, you hear children losing their parents. I would recommend, you know, a very, very good therapist. Mm. And, and, and maybe just talking about emotions. I think we need to be educated about our emotions and knowing and learning that each emotion is valid and learning how to feel them but but in the right um you know with the right person and in a safe space i'm not really sure maybe it's a really good question but i think mm -hmm. it's just so complex but i think the key is having those conversations and being and having those tools and techniques before something happens because no one can really tell you how to feel and how to do it 
you sort of need like I process those feelings myself no one did it for me I had somebody there sort of guiding me but I listened to my body I listened to my emotions I think yeah it's it's a great sort of note to you know begin to to wrap up the conversation because I think you've you perfectly sort of summarized there which is that it's our responsibility to make sure the next generation children youth all of us in fact as adults have the resources to be able to understand our emotions to use our I guess you could call it self-empathy you know your ability to know yourself understand yourself to understand as you were saying how you feel how your body feels um, now, I, I agree with you. I think that in those moments of grief, regardless, it takes a very long time to be able to access them with sort of a peaceful mind, because, of course, grief is an incredibly powerful emotion. Yeah. But perhaps it would go some way to helping other young people, like you said, be a, a little more prepared for the emotion and, and how to read emotions. But also, as you said a couple of times in this conversation today, the importance of conversation, the importance of being able to speak in safe environments and knowing how to ask for help. And I can tell you, it took me many years of my life to be comfortable with that, particularly in my career, definitely until my early 30s, I would say at the earliest. Yeah. You know, I was able to recognize how to ask for help, how to communicate in those very difficult conversations. So, so thank you. Thank you very much for for sharing. I think there's some, you know, clearly very powerful parts of your journey that you've you've been through. As we come to a close, tell us just a little bit about, you know, since you've overcome some of this, um, you've, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, you've become more at peace with some of that grief. Um, you now feel that perhaps your life is is more open and potentially more positive. Is that is that a correct assumption? Oh, definitely, 100%. And and now I look back, you know, for the past, I don't know how many years, because obviously anger is a big part of the grieving process as well. I was quite angry. And now when I look back, I see the connection that we had, I had with my stepdad, and I realised that was such a good thing. It was an amazing connection I had. And thinking about the good times more, you know, I'm looking at the past with gratitude. But also, I just feel lighter in myself, in my body. And I don't feel ashamed of things. And that's like when I said at the beginning, when you said about why do you want to share your story? I think I haven't shared my story that much. Yeah, I'm not ashamed anymore. Imagine if you're feeling ashamed, how you're going to live your life, how you're going to show up. But just removing that emotion is going to make a huge impact, isn't it? I'm much more compassionate with myself and it means I'm more compassionate with others. And actually, I attract people who are more compassionate towards me as well. It's helped me have healthy boundaries with friends, relationship, work. I want to say, you know, listening to you, how how impressive that is, really, to hear what you've been through and how you've come out the other side. And, you know, I, I found today in our conversation, particularly this kind of, I'm paraphrasing, but almost law of attraction that you've spoken about, which is that as you have process some of those emotions you have noticed so much how what you attract into your life changes the boundaries you've put in place changes um like you were saying you know the feelings of shame the feelings of gratitude the feelings of confidence have all shifted so thank you very much for for sharing this today i feel that there's many things 
perhaps we don't understand about these experiences and, and listening to stories like yours does help. My very last question is, would you like to remain anonymous in today's show? Thank you so much, Mimi. It was a pleasure. And no, I don't need to be anonymous. I'm absolutely fine. In that yeah. case, you can tell us your name and where you come from or whatever you'd like to say. Thank you. I'm Jasmine and I'm from the UK. Wonderful. Well, Jasmine, it's been an absolute pleasure hosting you on Mimi UU and really um, just hearing your journey through that grief, through life, really, um, and through all these countries around the world. And, and just I am so happy to have met you at a point in your life where you are feeling all of these positive outlooks and, and your career, your life, your outlook has shifted. And I'm sure that this conversation will help many of our listeners who would like to just understand more about the experience of life from someone else's point of view. So thank you very much for joining us on Mimi U today. And to anyone listening, if you have a story that you would like to share or if Jasmine's story has inspired you to tell a story that's perhaps similar or in fact very different from the one she has shared, we would love to host you. So please do find us on Mimi U U Show on Instagram um, or reach out via www empathyeverywhere.co Thank you for joining us today on Mimi UU. This episode is one in a series that has been designed to create empathy in our world. If you would like to join us on the show, please click on www.joinmimiuu.com or follow us across social media at Mimi UU Show. I believe that the more the world talks about empathy, the more empathy the world will have. And I hope that this show is the beginning of doing just that.